0: The following message is brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning church family. I'm excited to be in God's house today looking forward to what the Lord has for us from his word But before we dive in, let me ask you a quick question How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you completely missed the obvious raise your hand? How many of you have been in that situation something very obvious happened and you absolutely completely just missed it? Uh, probably a year ago or so, um, Jenny and myself along with um, Alan and Bryn, a uh, youth pastor serves here in the ministry, we uh, got together and we went to one of these uh, shows where David Copperfield was performing. How many of you know who David Copperfield is? He's an illusionist, a magician. Uh, some of you know David Copperfield. And so we were, we were going to go to this show. We were gonna watch David Copperfield do his illusions and it was kind of uh, kind of a double date type thing. We're looking forward to it. It's gonna be a great time. I, I don't have time to get into details but Jenny and Bryn actually ended up in the show with David Copperfield. And so we'll let them share that story at another time. But there was one particular illusion that was kind of interesting to me. Uh, of course, there's a stage on the stage. David Copperfield had a giant, uh, giant regular size, full-size uh, Corvette. It was like an old uh, 1967 or something like that, and he had it up on stage. And at some point, some people came and put a huge black kind of cloth over this car that was on stage. Of course, you know, the music's going, everything's getting drummed up, the car's up there, he's telling the story. They drop the curtain and the car is gone. It's completely gone. We're sitting out there, you know, in the audience. And Alan and I look at each other and we're like, we're looking up, looking around, and we're like, this, that was pretty impressive. That was crazy. I mean, we're watching this thing, the car's completely gone, we're looking around, are like, how in the world did he just pull this off? Well, Jenny is sitting there, and, of course, she's watching this whole thing, and as she's sitting in her chair, she's kind of like, I don't get it. And <laughs> I leaned over, and I said, what do you mean you don't, what do you mean you don't get it? I said, he had the car that, I, she said, well, I mean, okay, maybe it's behind the curtain, I don't really see what the big deal is. I said, honey, I pointed like this, and she looks up, and the car is floating above our heads. True story. And we're like laughing because it's this crazy thing. Somehow, in the midst of this illusion, he took this car that was on the stage, and now all of a sudden, he had it floating above our heads in the audience. And at some point, as she's watching this, she totally missed the fact that the car was flying around our heads. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever missed something that was obvious? I think the truth is this. Every one of us have had times where God was doing something pretty incredible. He's doing some incredible things in our lives, and we're just not seeing it. We're not even noticing it. And that's what we're going to see in our text here today as we move through our series, verse by verse, going through the book of Exodus. Every one of us have had times, as we're going to see these children of Israel, where God's doing some incredible things, and we're just not noticing it, which leads us to our theme this morning, and and that is this. If we were to take the whole chapter number two of Exodus and sum it up into one statement, it would simply be this. Even when we don't see God at work in our lives, we can know that he is. He is. Let me give you some background on this particular story, then we'll dive in in a moment. In fact, for... Uh, those of you who are visiting with us today, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, on the inside of the service program that you should have received on your way in, there's a little service guide. I hope you'll take the opportunity to fill up that connection card. We'd love to have a record of your attendance. In fact, we'll take the opportunity later uh, just to give you some more information about the service. You can turn that in uh, at the welcome tent on your way, and we hope that'll be a help to you. For the rest of you, there should be a Bible study guide there in your uh, service program that you can use to follow along through the Bible study. Study here this morning. Last week we introduced you to the Jewish people, chapter number one of Exodus. Uh, we talked about this enslaved people. Uh, we took some time to introduce you to this oppressive king. And today, we're going to learn about the primary character of the book of Exodus, and this is an individual by the name of Moses. So let's just dive into our Bible study. We'll start in verse number one. We're going to work our way down through verse number two as we unpack this study together. Here's what the scriptures say in Exodus chapter number two, beginning in verse number one. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, verse two, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could not hide him any longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Notice this. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Now, how many of you remember from last week that wicked Pharaoh, this, this oppressive king, he made a decree in the land, and he said, I want all the sons. What, what do you want the sons? What, what do you want to happen to them? He wanted them killed. He wanted them thrown into the Nile. Here's what's interesting here. Uh, we see this woman who we're going to find out. His name is Jochebed. She technically follows the letter of the law here. She is going to eventually throw her son into the Nile River, but to give him a fighting chance, she puts him in a floating basket, all right? So she obeys the letter of the law. She kind of does what the, what the Pharaoh told uh, them to do, but she puts him in a basket, and the sister, whose name was Miriam, stands at a distance and watches this basket make its way down the, down the Nile to see what would happen. Notice verse 5. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, all right? This is this uh, oppressive king. This is his daughter. Went down to the Nile, and and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and and saw the baby. He was crying, and, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out. Of the water. This is an incredible story because here's this young baby boy that was supposed to be killed, supposed to be murdered, and all of a sudden through this miraculous uh, turn of events, we find that it's Pharaoh's daughter who now takes him into her very own home. And wh- what's interesting is God in his sovereignty decides to let Moses' mother raise him, nurse him. This, this is incredible. Now imagine in this day and age. Here's this woman Jacobed. She's able to walk along the uh, Egyptian roads with this baby Hebrew boy. N- this this couldn't happen with anybody else. Think about it. Every other uh, Hebrew boy would have been killed. So if they were kept alive, they'd have to be kept in hiding. Not Moses. Here we see Jochebed's able to walk around the city with this baby in her arms, and everybody's thinking, what in the world? How come you get to keep him out in the open? What's going on here? Why? Because this baby now was protected by a king. This is all part of God's divine plan. Notice verse 11, and one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. Remember Uh, Pharaoh had enslaved them. These men were now building these cities of Xerxes and others. And he saw an Egyptian literally beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that way and and seeing no one. So Moses is looking around here, seeing this man beating one of his fellow men. And the Bible says since he saw no one around, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand, buries him. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting also. He asked the one in the wrong, why why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses thought nobody knew. Moses thought he had done this thing in secret, that nobody was watching. Somehow, word got out. Moses now realizes this is a public thing. This really makes him nervous because these guys knew about the fact that he had killed this Egyptian. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Okay, This is common knowledge. Verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. So Pharaoh, this oppressive king, now literally hears about the fact that Moses had killed an Egyptian he comes along and says I'm gonna kill Moses but Moses fled from Pharaoh and now went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well now the best we can tell from history at this point in Moses's life he's about 40 years old so for 40 years he has spent his life in Pharaoh's house He's been educated by the greatest educators. He's had the opportunity to learn its government. He knows all about the customs of the Egyptians as well as the customs of the Hebrews. And so for 40 years, he has lived this life as as literally a prince of Egypt. But now we come to verse number 16. Things are going to begin to change. Now, there was a priest of Midian who had seven daughters, And they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flocks. Verse 17... Some shepherds came along and and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to the rescue. All right, this is just, there's something in Moses. He's just got this sense of justice about him. And we see this played out, you know, as the Egyptian was uh, beating this other Hebrew. Now he, this takes place again. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to the rescue. And not only does he come to their rescue, the Bible says he goes and and he waters their flock. He, He takes care of them. Verse 18, so when the girls returned to Raoul, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian man rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered our flocks. Well, where is he, Raoul asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat with us. So Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughters Aporah. To Moses in marriage so here's this man Raul. he's a priest in Midian he says hey thank you so much for your help here's a little gift for you you can marry my daughter <laughs> all right ancient <laughs> customs so Zavorah gave birth to a son Moses named Gershom saying I've become a foreigner in a foreign land goes on in verse number three to say during that long period the king of Egypt died the Israelites groaned in their slavery and they begin to, they begin to cry out. Notice this, the king of Egypt died. This, this oppressive king now is dead and now a new king, a new pharaoh is going to step into his place. However, even though there is a new pharaoh that is stepping up into his place, we're going to see that the children of Israel, they still have their old sorrows. They have their old pains. They have their old troubles. This new king doesn't change the regime. This new king doesn't make it any better. In fact, if anything, we're going to see he's going to make it more intense. He's going to become more oppressive. He's going to put them in more bondage. And so this morning, I want us to take some time to see how God responds to those who are hurting. I want you to see from this passage how God responds when you find yourself in seasons of bondage. Maybe you would go as far to say that you have found yourself in a situation where you feel enslaved. How does God respond to those that find themselves in those types of circumstances in their life? That's what we're going to do today. That's, that's our plan. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into our Bible study. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, in this passage we, we read about these ones that are in pain. We read about these that are hurting, that, that are oppressed, that are in bondage and, and in slavery. And, and we see in this passage that their heart is crying out to you. And so Lord, I pray that through your word you would fill our hearts, Lord, with, with just a, a sense of comfort and hope that comes from knowing that your character and your nature is one that desires to lean in and help those who find themselves in these situations. Lord, if there's somebody here today who is in bondage, if there's one here today who finds themselves in slavery, if there's one today that finds themselves oppressed by the enemy, Lord, I pray that, that you would give them an exodus out of their bondage. That you would give them an exodus out of their slavery. That you would give them an exodus out of their pain, just like you're setting up these children of Israel to experience an exodus out of their bondage. I pray that you'd bless our time together in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get into our Bible study this morning. So, how does God respond to those who are hurting? How does he respond to those who are in bondage, who, who find themselves in these difficult situations? All right, we're going to see the answer here in verse number 23. Notice, notice first what the Bible says. So during that long period, verse 23, the king of Egypt dies. It's a new king, but there's still the old sorrows. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and, and cry out because things didn't get better with this new king. It actually ends up getting worse, and so they're, they're groaning, they're, they're crying out. And notice what it says. It says... And their cry for help, because of their slavery, because of their bondage, because of their circumstances and situation, the Bible says their cry for help, notice this, went up to God, and God heard their groanings. God heard their cries. God heard their prayers, which leads us to the first thought I want you to see today, and that is this. I want you to see how God responds to those who are hurting and those who are in bondage in their situation. The first thing we see is God hears their prayers. God hears their prayers. Verse number 23. I see that. The Israelites groaned in their slavery. They cry out. Their cry for help went up to God. It didn't just go up to God. It didn't just hit a glass ceiling. The Bible says, and God heard. God hears the prayers of those that are hurting. He hears the prayers of those who are in bondage. He hears the prayers of those who are in slavery. He hears the prayers of those that are in pain. He hears their prayers. Psalms chapter number 18 verse 6 says this. It says, in my distress I called to the Lord goes on to say, I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I am so thankful that we serve a God in heaven who hears our cries. When we cry out and our heart groans out to God, He's a God that these prayers don't just hit a glass ceiling. They don't just go to the heavenlies. The Bible says He actually hears these prayers. Can I say this? And He knows what you're going through. I know sometimes we find ourselves in situations and we're like, I don't know that anybody understands what I'm going through. I don't know that anybody really gets what this is like. I want to declare to you based on the authority of God's word that God knows what you are going through. I know many of you here, even in the last few weeks, you've gotten some really painful news, and some of you have gotten some news from a doctor, and others of you who've gotten relational news, and some of you, I know, we're praying for you because you've literally lost loved ones in the last few days. There are pains, and there are hurts, and there are difficulties that you are going through. There are others, and you feel stuck in addiction, you feel trapped in just some habits and some decisions that you have made and you've wondered is there any way out and you've cried out to God because you feel in bondage you feel enslaved to this situation and I want to say to you that as you cry out to God God hears your prayers and he knows what you're going through he knows I know it feels lonely I know you feel like nobody understands but God knows knows Because he hears your prayers. One preacher said it this way. He said, take every care and turn it into a prayer. It's good advice. Take every care and turn it into a prayer. I don't know about you, but you know what I do with my cares oftentimes? I take my cares and I turn them into a complaint. (laughs) You guys ever do this? I take my cares and I turn it into gossip. I take my cares and I turn them into anger. I take my cares and turn them into bitterness. I take my cares and turn them into just kind of just feeling like, ah frustration. We, we take our cares and we do dozens of things other than allowing them to be the prayers that we offer up to a loving heavenly father oh take every care and turn it into a prayer so so what what is God how does God respond to those that are hurting and who are in bondage in these situations first of all we see God hears their prayers let's keep reading notice verse number 24 now verse 24 the Bible says God heard their groanings, and what else? What else does God do to those who are, who are hurting, who are in this bondage, in this slavery, who find themselves in those types of situations? What does it, what does it say? God heard their groanings, and, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham. We talked about this last week. God made a promise with Abraham and his descendants that he was going to take these people and make of them a great nation from whom all nations of the world would be blessed that was the promise he made to Abraham and his descendants and now right now these descendants in Egypt are thinking I don't know if this promise that we've heard about is actually going to come to pass and yet in this passage we see that God hears their prayers and he remembers it's not saying that God forgot that's not the point it's re-emphasizing the fact that no this promise that was made is continually a fact. this is still a thing and he, he, he is focusing on this fresh and anew why? because he remembers his covenant with Abraham so what does God do for those who are hurting for those who are in bondage specifically in this passage what did God do? he heard their prayers and God remembers his promises he remembers his promises for these Jews he remembered the promise that he had made to them And this passage specifically says he remembered these things. He remembered it. Isaiah 49 verse 15 reminds us of this truth for our lives as well. It says this kind of metaphorically. The prophet Isaiah says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast?" and have no compassion on the child she has born. It's this rhetorical question that the prophet Isaiah asks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Can a mom forget the very baby that she born? The answer to that is, of of course not. Any of you who are mothers here, you you know that, man, when you have that baby, that is precious. You're not going to just forget about that baby, especially when it's a little infant. It says, can a mother forget, though, it says this, even if she does forget, even if she does, God says, I will not forget you. He's not, not going to forget. God hears your prayers. I want to remind you today that he hasn't forgotten about you. I know that it's easy to find ourselves in situations much like the Israelites found themselves in this situation. And now years have gone by. They've been under the oppressive reign of this Pharaoh for who knows how long. And and all of a sudden there might be this temptation to start thinking, has God forgotten his promise to us? Has God forgotten about us? Why is he leaving us in this slavery? Why is he leaving us in this bondage? Why is he leaving us in this hurt? Why is he leaving us in this pain? And God's saying wait a second I haven't forgotten about you I haven't forgotten my promise towards you And I am so thankful that God Throughout the new covenant In the new testament Has made promise after promise after promise To us that are his children He has made promises to you as his child, as a believer. And I want to remind you today that the promises that he makes in his word that apply to you, he has not forgotten about. Even in those situations where you find yourself in pain, even in those time periods where you think, man, I don't know if my prayers are getting up to God. Just know you can trust, what? That he hasn't forgotten about you. He hasn't forgotten. Just like he hadn't forgotten about these Jewish children. He's not forgotten about you. And one of the things we find through many, many stories throughout the scriptures, that the Bible illustrates how some of God's promises are fulfilled in our lifetime and others in our lifeline. And I think this is an important distinction to make. That is to say, There were some of these Jews who died in slavery. Let's just be honest. They died never personally experiencing deliverance themselves. And yet what we see is in the big, grand narrative of the scriptures, the big overarching story of the Bible, God is continually in his sovereignty working to bring his grand promise of a coming Messiah to pass Through these children of Israel Through these Jewish people He had not forgotten his promise to them And though there were some Who did not get to experience that promise In their lifetime They did get to experience it in their lifeline Can I say to you parents today One of the reasons that God gives us the grace To endure and the grace to persevere Is so that our kids and our grandkids Can experience the promise through them And we get to experience these promises. Why? Because God never forgets. God hears their prayers. How does he respond to those that are in pain? How does he respond to those in slavery? How does he respond to those in bondage? He hears their prayers. He remembers his promises. Notice, let's keep reading. Verse number 25. So, so, God looked on the Israelites. He he looked on them. Which brings us to our third thought this morning, and that is this, not only does God hear the prayers, and not only does he remember his promises, but number three, God sees our problems. God sees our problems. He sees them. The Bible says right here, God looked. Aren't you thankful for a God who sees everything you're going through? I know sometimes we can look and think, oh no, God sees everything. And there is a truth to the fact that God sees everything. But can I say this? Even in a comforting way, in an encouraging way, He sees what you're going through. And when it feels like nobody else is noticing, and it seems like nobody else cares, and it seems like nobody else is there around you, I want to, want to remind you today that God sees. In fact, no problem is too big that God can't fix it because he sees it. And no problem is too small that God will ignore it. Why? Because he sees. I want to remind you of something. God is not ignoring the situation. I know for some of you, you've been praying for some things for weeks and months and some of you have even been praying for things for years and your heart is crying out to God and you're wondering will God ever do something about the situation and I want to say to you today God is not ignoring you he sees it he acknowledges it in fact it doesn't just say that he notices it because that would be different It's not like God looks down over the heavenlies and is like, oh, he's aware of what's going on. He notices it. No, he really sees. He sees the full implications of everything that's going on. He sees what's happening physically. He sees what's happening emotionally. He sees what's happening mentally. He sees what's happening relationally. He sees the entire picture. He understands. Why? Because he knows What does God do with those that find themselves in these situations? What did he do here for these children of Israel? He he hears their prayers. He remembered his promises. He sees our problems. Notice next, verse 25. The Bible says, So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. He was concerned. It's interesting In the original Hebrew, that word concerned is the word yada. It's concerned for them. The word yada is most often translated from the Hebrew to the word he intimately knows. He knows them. He knew what they were going through. In the book of Genesis, the Bible uses this word. It says, and Adam knew his wife and they bore children. This idea of this intimate knowing, this yada. And God says here in this passage, he says, I, 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 I yada where you're at. He says, I I know, I intimately understand, I sympathize and I empathize with where you are at, which leads us to point number four. How does God respond when we find ourselves in these situations? Number four, we see that God feels your pain. He feels it. He yada it. He's intimately acquainted with it personally. There's not an emotional distance from what you're going through. And this is how the God of the Bible responded when he sees his children in this situation. And the Bible reminds us that this is how he responds toward us. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, notice this, and familiar with our pain Surely He took up our pain and He bore our suffering. There are several verses in the Scriptures that speak to the fact that He's acquainted with our griefs and our sorrows. When Jesus came to this world, when God in the flesh, when Emmanuel, when the incarnate deity became man, He became man so He could be intimately acquainted with what we as human beings are going through he feels what you feel he knows in an intimate way what you're experiencing it's not some distant deity that's like I don't really get what they're going actually after all I'm deity I'm a god I don't really understand this you know kind of basic humanity and what those experiences are like. you have a god who understands who experiences what you're experiencing, who empathizes with what you're going through, who's sympathetic towards your hurts and your pains and your circumstances and your situation, God knows. He yadas your experience. And and I realize that as we stand here today, there are some of you out here and there are very few others in this room who can yada with you. They, They don't know. And I get that. There, there are some things that you guys are going through that I, I, I can't feel it the same way you're feeling it. And I do my best to sympathize with what you're going through, but the reality is, as another human being, I, I can't fully sympathize and empathize with with every trial and every difficulty that you find yourself going through. But I want to remind you today that you have a God in heaven who sent his son to this earth so that he could be fully acquainted with your griefs and your sorrows. He does know. And maybe you had parents that never never empathized with you they couldn't, they didn't connect with you in that way and maybe for others you had brothers and sisters and there just wasn't that type of relationship and maybe for some of you, you wanted to experience that with your kids and you just never got the opportunity to experience that type of relationship and maybe for some of you, you've come to church looking for that type of relationship and even in church you can't seem to find that. I want to remind you that there is one who can and that is Jesus Christ. He can sympathize and empathize because he is acquainted with your griefs. He's acquainted with your sorrows. He feels And sympathizes and experiences Everything that you've been through He knows your hurts He empathizes See God Hears their prayers God remembers his promises God sees our problems And he literally feels Your pain That's the God you serve So I I want you to get now the big picture Of chapter number two as we wrapped up chapter number two, we find ourselves in a situation here where now, for years, decades possibly, these children of Israel are groaning in their spirit. They're crying out to their God. They're just in pain and turmoil in their bondage and slavery, and it feels like God's doing nothing about it. Have You ever been there before? I mean, we can be real. Have you ever found yourself in that situation before? where it was like in your marriage or in some relationship at work with your health, you've been going through something and what started as a few days turned into a few weeks, turned into a few months, and now it's years. And for some of you, it's been decades and you've been groaning in your spirit. You've been crying out to God and it just literally feels like God's silent. Have you ever been there? And that's a little bit, I'm sure, how these people felt. And here's what's crazy. The Bible doesn't specifically say up to this point that he revealed what we just learned to these people. As God was hearing, it's not that these who were groaning and crying out knew that he was hearing. They didn't necessarily know that he had been reminded of his promises and that he was seeing their pain and that he was feeling their problems. They, They weren't, personally aware of that situation. They're just going through this dark valley of the soul, enduring it, going through it, not aware that through this entire chapter, God in his sovereignty is weaving something together beautifully. Literally, he is working in the midst of their groanings. He is planning in the midst of their cries. As they're there groaning in their spirit, wondering if God is listening for 40 years, God has been preparing a plan. He gets these midwives and he pl- prepares this guy named Moses and he makes sure that he's living here in the Pharaoh's house and he keeps him alive and then he sends them out to train him and prepare him and get him ready for what he's ulti- ultimately going to be and, and that's the redeemer of these people. He's, he's preparing his plan. All the while these children of Israel are not even aware of it. They're oblivious to it. It's like they're sitting there watching this show and God's there doing this incredible thing and above in a way that we can't see it, the incredible's happening. This incredible thing is taking place and they're oblivious to it and sometimes I want to say this when God's doing his biggest work in your life there will often be times you're not even aware of it you don't even notice it and that's what's hard I think it's interesting, I don't know if you noticed this, but Pharaoh's big plan, we talked about this last week, Pharaoh's big plan was like, I know what I'm going to do, uh, these, these uh, Jewish boys, they're the problem, we're going to kill off all the Jewish boys, and this was like the enemy's big plan, we're going we're to kill the boys off. Then they can't rise up and fight against us if an enemy, you know, army comes up against us. And so that was Pharaoh's big plan. That, this, this oppressive king, that's what he, let's kill them all off. And so to a large degree, he does. kills them. Which I think is interesting within God's sovereignty because as you read Exodus chapter number 2, what you're going to find is God steps back and this is, and, and like, in, in God's sovereignty and his providence, God's thinking so much bigger than the enemy it's almost like this Pharaoh, he's, he's playing chess on a two-dimensional board and God is so big and God is so mighty and he's so wise and he's so smart like God's playing chess on a whole nother level. He's like playing three-dimensional chess as Pharaoh's trying to play two-dimensional chess and God's like, oh, you want to take all the sons? Then I'll use the daughters. How many five times in this passage we see Levi's daughter, begins to birth Moses. We see these daughters of the Jews who are these midwives who are used to protect these babies. We see the daughter of (laughs) Jochebed, Miriam now being used to watch over Moses. We see Pharaoh's daughter now being used to raise up Moses. We see Jethro's daughter now protecting him and bringing in and being used to To accomplish God's plan. The enemy was like, oh, the sons are the problem. And God's like, hey, that's all right. If that's where you're going, I'll use the daughters. I'll use the ladies. Here's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws against you. God's plans never get thwarted. Never. Never. And in your mind, you're like, no, we needed these boys. That was part of the promise. That's how this had to go down. And we have these ideas about how life is supposed to work in our heads. How many of you have been here before? You're like, no, God, this is how you got to do it. You got to do A, B, C, and D. This is how you got to work. And God's like, listen, I'm God. There is nothing that the enemy can do that can thwart my plans. And when the enemy's playing chess on a two dimensional board, God's like, I'm a 3D God. I'll win this game no matter what piece you choose to move, no matter what you choose to accomplish. God's like, I always win. Every time I win, He wins. And in your life, when it seems like he's distant and when it seems like he's far away, your God wins. Because he's not confined to this two-dimensional game that every enemy is playing and everybody who's out to get you. God plays on a whole nother level. He can take any move that the enemy throws against him. and he can use every one of those things and turn it up against the enemy. That's your God. He's wiser, smarter, bigger, grander than anything the enemy can throw at him. He never loses, he always wins. That's your God. So here's what I want to leave you with today. When you can't see God's hand, when your heart and spirit's groaning, when your mouth is crying and your mind is praying, and it looks like heaven is silent. When you can't see God's hand, here's what I want to leave you with. Trust his heart. Trust his heart. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.